I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Amen, amen, amen. Um, come on, how many of you are glad to be in God's house today? Okay, that's two people. That's two and a half. How many of you are glad to be alive? Are you glad to be in God's house? Listen, I am happy to be here. It's been a while since I stand here to preach, so, you know, I'm glad that uh, um, Brother Dave and, 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 and Deacon Clef has given me a chance to preach. Amen, amen. Um, listen, I want to call your prayerful attention to um, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, um, verse 16 through 18. If you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of the Word of God? This is what the Word of God says. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you and Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Word. Even though I have study but I need your strength I have prepared but I need your help spirit of the living God fall fresh mold me and shape me so that the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to your sight oh Lord my God my rock and my redeemer in Jesus name I pray amen as you take your seat turn to your neighbor and say thank God wherever and whenever say thank God Wherever and whenever. Corrie Boom and the hiding places relates to an incident that taught her an important principle. She and her sister Betsy, Betsy had just been transferred to the worst German prison camp they had seen yet, Ravensbrück. Upon entering the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded and flea-infested. The scripture reading for that morning in 1 Thessalonians had reminded them to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail in the new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas, but Betsy, Betsy persisted. She finally agreed. During the months spent at that camp, they were surprised to find how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings without God interference. It was several months later when they learned that the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleas. In other words, they learned to give God thanks for the fleas. What I'm trying to encourage you this morning is to give God thanks wherever and whenever. It is not something that's easy because most of us, when we think about giving God thanks, we want to give God thanks when things are good. I mean, when you got the new boo, when you got the new bae, 
Praise the Lord. You got the college degree. Hallelujah. You got into the school of your choice. Praise God. You got the new, you got the promotion at jobs. That's when you think to give God thanks. But what Paul is doing here, what Paul is doing to encourage the, the, the people at Thessalonians, at Thessalonica, is that Paul, they were persecuted people. Paul is telling them to look forward with hope for Jesus' return. I mean, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, following him as the true king and Messiah met going against the larger culture. And for many Christians, this caused persecution and conflict in the communities. The church at Thessalonica was facing persecution, but Paul wrote them to encourage their faithfulness. He also directs, directs them to respond to the persecution with love, meeting the opposition with grace and generosity. This way of life is motivated by the hope, by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus that has already begun. In other words, Paul is telling the people at Thessalonica to be, to have hope amidst hardship. And, 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 and Paul continues in this, where we find ourselves in chapter five. And, and chapter five can be segmented in very simple way. Paul now is going to give directives for the church. And, and if you look at it in verse 12 through 13, Paul is telling the congregation, this is their responsibility towards their leaders. And verses 14 through 16, Paul is telling them this is their responsibility towards the individual. But in verse 16 through 15, Paul is now telling them this is their responsibility toward God. And this is where we find our sermon because Paul turns from instruction covering attitude and action towards fellow believers and towards human beings in general, now Paul is saying, this ought to be your attitude towards God. I know you're falling asleep, but I got to give you context. Stay with me. Paul is saying to them, hey, this ought to be your attitude. One of the most perplex questions that for any Christian is, what is God's will for my life? And Paul said to them, God's will for your life is to be always rejoicing, to be always in prayer, and to give thanks in all circumstances. It's not easy, but this is what Paul is telling them. And this is not a suggestion. It's a command. So, so, so then we find ourselves we find some calls as what we call the standing orders of the church. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, here's where you can start. By always being joyful for you to pray at all times and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will concerning to you. Each of these commands is the imperative which means they are not suggestion. Paul is not really talking about feelings. 
for the most part, we can't control our feelings. Paul is addressing our mindset, our focus. I've titled the message, Be Thankful Wherever and Whenever, because these three commands are not that difficult to understand, <laughs> but they are not easy to apply. We know God wants us to be joyful, praying, and filled with thanksgiving. However, here is the modifier for those three commands or directives that makes it difficult. We ought to rejoice always. <laughs> always. We ought to pray continually. And we ought to be thankful in all. Are you guys with me? I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack those, those two. Let, let me let me say this again. The modifier make it hard. Um, rejoice. I mean, we, th 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 there's time. Y'all remember when we when we went to the book of Ecclesiastes? <laughs> the book tells you there's a time to rejoice, and there's a time to cry. I mean, Ecclesiastes gives you a free pass. But Paul is saying this, rejoice sometimes. Always. And, and, and he's saying, praying, well, before you go to bed, just pray. Sunday morning, pray. Brother Dave, just pray for, for me and pray for the sermon. That's good. Some of you, that's all the prayer you're going to get all week long. But it says to pray continually. And it said, and this is the hard one, this is even harder. It said to be thankful in all circumstances. <laughs> now he said, he said, Pastor Perry said, be thankful whenever, wherever. <laughs> well, the first thing is to be joyful always. Um, we guys remember when we preached in Philippians? I believe it was me who preached that sermon. It says, to rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Because we can understand, we can begin to understand what it means. We have to be clear what it also doesn't mean. Paul is not telling us that we should be happy at all times. That would be Foolish. Are you guys with me? He says to be joyful always. There, there are many things in life that bring unhappiness. Circumstances can bring sadness, grief, and a sense of despair. But I don't believe Paul is telling us to put simply to put a, a happy face. God doesn't want us to be fake. He wants us to be real. Sometimes we do not feel happy. Can, can I get a witness, somebody? Because joy is deeper than happiness. It is unrelated, it, it is unrelated to the circumstance of life because it is anchored in our relationship with Christ Jesus. Let, let me say this again. Your joy is deeper than happiness. 
It is not related to the circumstances of life because your joy is anchored in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It is that exhilaration of spirit that derives from our deep-seated confidence in God's hope and God's love and power and his work in our lives. The, the, the deeper our root is extend um, in our relationship with God, the more joy we would, we're going to know. Um, let me say this in plain English. Um, your joy is not based on whether or not what happens to you makes you happy. Your joy is based on what you know Jesus has done for you. If you know he saved you from your sin, that ought to bring you joy even when the circumstance don't make you happy. <laughs> Ooh, I wish I had a witness. Somebody preach. Somebody holler back at the preacher. Let me tell you this. Um, you're going to lose loved ones. That would not make you happy. But you can find joy in the fact that you know there is life after death. Ooh, I wish I had a witness. Um, I'm preaching from experience here. You can lose a job. But there is joy in knowing this when men closes a door. God can open a floodgate. You can be sad at the fact that she dumped you. He breaks your heart. But you can find joy in the fact that you know you belong to Jesus Christ. You are loved by him. That's what Paul is talking here. So let's take the obvious for a minute. If you don't have a true and real relationship with God, you cannot know this kind of joy. The prerequisite of joy is a true and meaningful relationship with God through Christ Jesus. In other words, if you are still if you're still putting your confidence in your own abilities, if you think you can do it on your own, if your faith is, is more of an academic issue than a vital relationship in your life, you will never find this kind of joy. Erwin Lutzer um, wrote um, on what happens after we die. In the book, Lutzer told of a time he was bobbing on a boat on Lake Michigan. When he began getting seasick, his friends told him to choose a building on the shore and keep his eyes fixed on it. Lutzer, Aaron Lutzer, the great pastor of the Moody Church, the, 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 the pastor emeritus of the Moody Church in Chicago, he said, I chose the Sears Tower and discovered in a few moments that I felt better. His friends explain that motion of a boat confuses our balance system if we look at the very object that is causing our movement. But if we can handle the ups and downs in our eyes, uh, um, if our eyes have a fixed object, 
that is unmoved by our vacillations. In other words, what he's saying here, when trouble comes, when life seems to be up and down, and because you know your, your, your happiness goes up, your sadness comes down, your happiness, your happiness goes up and down, up and down. But what he's trying to tell you this, if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of chaos, you can find joy. Um, the word rejoice, um, it, it's the word Cairo. The word joy is the word kara. The word grace is the word charis. They all have the same root word. Um, in other words, when you look at joy, joy comes from grace. When you know the grace of Jesus Christ, you can have joy even though you have sadness, even though there are things that brings you pain, but you're, you can be unhappy at, at, at things that is, that, that, are, that is happening around you, but you can find joy and know that you are a child of God. This is how we experience true joy. We cannot focus on the circumstance of life that makes us sick. We will be joyful sometimes, but we will be joyful sometimes, but often we will find joy lacking. We must understand the primary focus of our joy is not in the things that is happening, but it's in the very person of God. In other words, if you want to find joy, you have to find focus on God's righteous character. And who God is, God cannot lie. If I know God cannot lie, even though he or she may lie to me, even though they lie on me, but the God that I serve, the God that I place my faith on, cannot change, cannot lie. If if I know that truly experience the redemptive work of Jesus Christ that he came and died for my sins and, and that I know to, uh, because I accepted him that my name is written in the book of life then I can find joy in that I can find joy for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life how many of you can testify that there are some things you are about to do and the Spirit of God says mm, I don't think so and then you turn around and that turn around save your life. You can find joy in the spiritual blessings that you possess. The fact that your blessings are in the heavenly realms. I know your theology is now, but trust me, what's to come, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. So I can find joy in that. I can find joy in the promised future. That God has for my life. Just, just so you guys know. I, I know we are in the now, 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 now. But just understand. This is just a pit stop. There's more to come. I, I can find joy in, in, in God's word. In the gift of God's word. You realize that you can open a Bible. And you can hear God talk to you. You want to, you know... It, you open the word of God, that's God speaking to you. Each day and every day, you want to hear God, just open the Bible. You can find joy in the fact that no matter where you are in life, I believe it was John Calvin who said this, no matter the circumstance you find yourself in life, 
read the book of Psalms. You're going to find God speaking to you. In the 150 Psalms, there's not a circumstance you can find yourself into in life where God doesn't speak to you. You may be crying, but the Bible says, weeping endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This is not the way that we see happiness. Happiness and joy is not the same. Happiness is contingent upon the circum, upon what's happening around you. Joy, no matter what happens, joy is anchored in who is the Lord of your life. That's why you haven't gone crazy yet. That's why you're still sane. That's why you still, listen, listen, after, there's a song that says, after all that I've been through, I still got my joy. And some of you can testify, whether it be a car accident, or a heartbreak, or, or, or rejection, or, 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 or lied on, but you still got a joy. That's why when we come in God's house, you don't need to wait for Brother Wayne. You don't need to wait for, for, for Sister Gina or, or for Sister Kessner to, to tell you to lift up your hands, to shout. Because you know after all that you've been through, after all that God has done for you, you still got a joy. Because if it had been God who's Lord over your life, you would have been dead already. You got to have joy. You got to have joy. And here is the problem. The problem is this. Often we miss out on joy because we're trying to create. I know I'm belaboring the, 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 the point, but we're trying to create it ourselves. We're trying to create our joy. That's why some people get hooked on substances. Because they want something to make them happy to feel. You know, it, 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 it's like you want something. But 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 see, some of them, they, 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 they go deeper and deeper. Whether it be alcohol or whatever it is. Because they, they got to have that kind of something to kind of enhance Thing because we're trying to create it ourselves. When we're trying to produce joy, we are working against joy itself. You cannot give yourself joy. You see, when we look to, act, to our activities and our own devices to bring us joy, we are not looking at the Lord. We are relying on external things we are distracted from the internal work of God's spirit. The harder we work to find joy, the further we drift away from the Lord and the joy we are looking for. Let me put it to you like this. Um, I, I, I'm not a swimmer per se, but I know some lifeguards. Um, lifeguards can only save people who are drowning if the people who are drowning trust the lifeguard to do what the lifeguard says. The, 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 the hardest thing for somebody who's drowning, who's not an experienced swimmer, is to trust a lifeguard to get them out. And here is the thing. The more the person the lifeguard is trying to save, the more they are fighting, not following the instruction of the lifeguard, the, 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 they put both their lives and the lifeguards at risk. And the thing is this, when you trust the lifeguard, they said, don't move, just do what I said. In other words, you're going to have to trust the lifeguard and live your life up to them. And that's how they can bring you to shore to be saved. Come here, what I'm, come, come here, you redemption people. What I'm trying to tell you is this, you've been drowning in unhappiness. You've been drowning in a joyless life. What I'm trying to tell you is this, 
Jesus through the Holy Spirit as has come this morning or this afternoon to tell you, listen, just trust in him and let them bring you ashore because if you could have swim your way out, you would have done it already. You cannot swim your way to happiness. Let them get you out because the wave have engulfed you. Let him bring you ashore to happiness. Let me put it to you this way. Our joy, our instinct is to try to produce joy. But we can produce joy by our music, by our methods. Listen. You, you, you know, you know, when God a voice, and if when starts singing here, your emotion can tickle enough to where that you may cry, you may laugh, you may smile, and you may say, oh man, I feel the spirit. But do you know the moment you got out of the parking lot, somebody caught you in traffic? That spirit you felt? Okay. Can be gone in a heartbeat. But, but see, when you have the true joy that is not self-generated, that is not man-made, you can come here and yeah, that song sing and you cry and you're happy and you go out, somebody caught you in traffic and be like, God bless you, go ahead of me. Because they cannot take away your joy. What I'm trying to say is this, the harder we try to create joy, the more elusive it becomes. Joy, watch this, listen, listen. Joy comes from resting, not running. It comes from trusting and not working. Let me say this again, you, you missed it. Let me, let, 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 me say, let me say this one more time. Joy comes from resting, not running. Joy comes from trusting, not working. Amen, amen. I, I, I'm, I'm done with this one. Let me, let me move on. The other two is going to be pretty easy. Um, be thankful wherever and whenever by one, be joyful always. Two, to pray continually. Somebody say pray continually. Um, the King James version of the Bible says pray without ceasing. Priez sans. Thank you. I, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody who speak French here. Priez sans cesse. Many people um, tend to say, well, do I have to spend the whole day on my knees praying? Do, do, do I have to always have my eyes closed and head down? I know somebody, I know of somebody who when they pray, when they're driving, they close their eyes and <laughs> Jesus take the will. That's, fool that's, that, that, that's foolishness. See, um, we tend to dismiss the command quickly as ridiculous or, or said it, it, it's, it's an ex exaggeration. Uh, um, a lot of times says, well, if I pray at all times, they would actually be useless in the world. They would not function. However, this is what Paul does not mean. We should constantly spend our lives in a prayer meeting or in a formal prayer. He's not saying we should always be on our knees and have our eyes closed. That is only one kind of prayer. Paul is encouraging us to be in constant communication with God. 
most of us would actually have a better time with prayer if we kept up a running conversation with the Lord throughout the day. Let me put it like this. I'm a married man of almost 15 years. When we talk about communication in a marriage, we're not simply talking about those times when we sit down to have a formal conversation with your spouse. Communication in marriage takes place constantly. Those of you who's going to get married one day, when you get to Pastor Clevel with, uh, uh, um, and premarital counseling, it will tell you this. You got to make deposit in communication throughout the day. You're going to get this on your way home. Communication takes place constantly. We communicate through our words and our actions and through our silence. Um, have you ever noticed people who are married can finish each other's sentences? You ever notice, for those of us preachers, when we are preaching, we look at our spouse, can I get a witness? And they don't have to say anything, but, but we know they're telling us we're talking too much. How do they know? How do we know they're saying that? It's because even with our nonverbals, we are in communication. You get to know someone. You talk with them. And, and there was a time that when we first started dating, I remember this. My wife and I used to be on the phone like from, from, from 9 p.m. Yo, yo, let me, let me, let me did us, let me, let me did us back. When free minutes started after 9 p.m. And we started talking from 9 p.m. to like 4 a.m. in the morning. We still both got to go to work in the next day. And then back, back then we were, I mean, she, she's even younger now, but I was young to where I can stay up. Notice how I saved myself there? Kenzie taking notes. Amen. So, 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 so then we can stay up all night long talking about nothing and everything. And sometimes you fall asleep and wake up. It's like, hey, 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 you still there? Yeah, yeah. Right? And we talk and talk. Do you think we do that now? No. We got three kids. We got three kids. But the time we spent in those days, that type of communication in those days, propel us to even now that we don't have to talk 24-7 or 12 hours or 8 hours at night. But we just now, we can talk for 30 minutes and know what each other are saying. What Paul is saying here, if you talk to God, it's no different from you having a relationship. Sometimes you just send a text to your loved one. Just send a text. You know, sometimes it's just a simple text at work. I love you. My favorite one is copy the song by Lionel Richie. I just call to say I copy that link on, on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, and I send it as a text message. Boom. The song says everything I want to say. Y'all miss that. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know, the song says, I just call to say I love you. I just call to say how much I care. And it comes from the bottom of my heart. It speaks for me right then and there. When I was in Pittsburgh, parenthesis, I used to call my wife at a job and play that song and on the speakerphone. Right? Put the phone on the speaker and play that song. It's just like, oh, so sweet. I got to go now. Bye. But we are in constant communication. Uh, 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 um, a communication, a conversation is 
progressing and all of a sudden, a progression, progress, communication is a progressing thing. You talk variously. Um, anybody who's married, if you're a kid, you know your parents can be sitting in front of you and they're talking, you have no clue what they're talking about. Because of the intimacy, because of the depth of the intimacy, they can be talking and it's almost like parents have their own language. And I'm not talking about like them speaking Creole because you don't speak Creole. They can be speaking English and you have no clue what they're talking about. I have some nosy kids. So they're like, huh, what do you say? Doesn't pertain to you. Does that, and and y'all know, a bunch of kids nosy, not just mine, yours are nosy too. But see, Paul is saying, pray continually. If spouses, if people who are in a relationship, best friends can be always talking. When something good happens to you, who do you call? When, 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 when things are bad, who do you call? In other words, Paul is saying, be in a constant communication with God. You're driving to go to work. It's okay, even if you're not saying anything, but your mind is thinking about Jesus. And you are talking with him. Have you ever taken the time to say, Jesus, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You know, some of the best prayers in life are the most informal prayers. Trust me, I know prayer warriors. I know what they look like. They pray and pray and pray. But sometimes you were just walking and talking to God and say, God, it's not me. God, the kids, Ooh, Lord, the bills. And, 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 and this is a prayer. And sometimes you see spouses are, are walking alongside and they are talking and, and, and they are talking about everything and everything. And sometimes you take the time and walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and talk about everything. You are at work and, and when you see your mind about to drift away, just think about Jesus. When you see you're about to cuss out your coworkers, just think about Jesus. Be in a constant communication with him. If you're in a constant communication with him, guess what you're not going to do? Mm-hmm. You're not going to lose your testimony. Can I get a witness, somebody? There are times when we need to confess our sins. Times when we need to call and express our appreciation for God's creative wonders. Times we should express our love. Times when we should admit our fears or seek his guidance. And times when we should be giving thanks. We're going to say that in a minute. There are times when we should simply seek to align our hearts with the heart of God. If, if you will, there are times we need to discuss things with the Lord. To pray without ceasing means we are living and thinking in the presence of God. Children, before you go make a friend. It's okay to talk to God about that friend. Before you go look for people's affirmation, look for God's to affirm you. When we are to be thankful wherever and whatever, one, we have to rejoice always. Two, we have to pray continually. And lastly, we have to give thanks in all circumstances. Paul tells the people at Thessalonica to give thanks in all circumstances. Um, once again, the qualifier. Paul is not saying we should give thanks for all circumstances. Paul said we ought to be grateful in every circumstance.
Let me say this again. I cannot give, I cannot give thanks for all things. I ought to give thing, give thanks in all things. In other words, I cannot give thanks for tragedy, for injustice, for diseases, or for war. Are you guys understand what I'm saying? I cannot give thanks for these things. However, I can be grateful in these things. No one give God thanks for COVID. But some of us learn to be grateful in COVID. I, I, I don't give God thanks for war. But in the midst of a war, I can find way to be grateful. I don't give God thanks for what's happening at the border in Haiti. I do not give God thanks for the mistreatment of Haitians. But I can be grateful in the circumstance. There's a difference. You, my brothers, you, my sisters, we have to learn to be grateful in life, no matter what happens. Um, no matter what happens in life, we can be grateful for the fact that we are forgiven. We can be grateful for the fact that we are loved by God. We can be grateful for the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We can be grateful for the fact that all things are working together for our good. There's a song that says, all things are working for my good. Yeah, it's intentional. Go, go ahead, second Cardo. Never fail me yet. All things are working for my good. It's intentional. You can be grateful even when you don't understand. Because God never failed you. You can be grateful for the fact that God will supply all your needs. Anybody, anybody here can testify that God has provided your needs. Have you ever found yourself sitting in places where, where you be like, how did I get here? Have you ever found yourself, and, 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 and some of us, and, and I know some of us, we, we, we are very humble and things like that. Sometimes I'm at certain places, at certain tables, and I'm like, Periclestima. I mean, you, 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 did you hear my name in, in, in Creole? Periclestima. Some of us don't even like our names. But, but just think about this. You, you, sons, Kinsima, you might want to record this. You, sons and daughters of Haitians. Do you know what they used to call Haitians? But people. Do you know what they used to say about us? They used to say we are the AIDS people. Prior to Wyclef and them, May 18th, most Haitians keep their kids at home because they used to kill Haitians on May 18th. Somehow, somewhere, God not only elevated us, God has taken us from obscurity in this land and made us who we are today.
Now you with your funny Haitian name. As a matter of fact, some of us used to put some respect on my name, pronounce it the French way. Not Ty Martima. God has done a lot of things for us, even in the midst of rejection, even in the midst of, of, of people mistreating you. But God found a way to elevate you. God took you from a nobody and made you somebody. So then, even now, you might be going through a circumstance that don't look favorable. But if you know who you are, if you are truly anchored in Christ Jesus, you ought to be able to give God thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. So, in all circumstances, I'm going to give God thanks because you know why? Nothing can snatch me away from God's hands. In all circumstances, I will give God thanks because God will finish what he started. In all circumstances, I will give God, I will give God thanks because God's mercy extended Father, it is justice. In all circumstances, I will, give, I will give God thanks because although I walk through the valley of shadow of evil, I will feel no one because God's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Can I get somebody to testify that God's mercy is following you? God's mercy, God's grace is following you no matter where you are, what they say, but each step you take, God's mercy and, and just and grace is following you. If it had not been for God, you wouldn't know where would you be. So give God thanks in all circumstances. I evoke this thing in my house. No complaining house. My household, people start complaining. Uh, I, 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 no, cut it off. No complaining. God has been too good to us. God has been good to us. Now, again, the circumstance may not be favorable in our sight. But if I know my God is working for me, I can thank God. Even at the job, the people that talking about you, just pray, watch God move them. Or watch God move you. Because in all circumstances, you got you to learn to give God thanks. All right, I'm, I'm going to close. Um, Go to the next slide. So you'd be like, okay. Um, next slide. Okay. Um, we can be joyful always, praying continually and give thanks in all circumstances. It all, it all anchored in our relationship with God. All I said here today, it would be simply um, a futile exercise if you don't know Jesus. The reason why you can give God thanks in all circumstances is because of who holds you in all circumstances. Um, let me let me close with this. Let, let, let me close with this um, application. But before I get the application, let me let me close with let me close with this. Um, there's a hymn called "Count Your Blessings" um, and name them one by one. Um, Johnson Oatman is the one who wrote the, the, the hymn. Um, it was son of uh, um, Johnson and Rachel and Oatman. He was born in New Jersey. His father was an excellent singer and always loved to hear Johnson sing the songs of the church. He joined the Methodist church at 19. A few years later, he, granted, he was granted a license to preach the gospel. For many years, he would serve as a local preacher. Beyond his preaching ministry, Oatman worked 
in the business world. With his father's passing, Oatman would take over the family insurance business. He is reminded today, he is remembered today, not for his wealth, but simply for the um, hymns he composed. If you ever pay attention, to, if you listen to um, uh, um, NPR, you hear the Oatman Foundation, that's them. Um, he's not, he is remembered today for the, for not for the world, but for the mighty hymns he composed. As one contemporary writer uh, put it, while Mr. Oatman does not fill any particular pulpit, yet he daily preaches to a larger congregation than the pastor of any church in the land. For through the medium of sacred song, he preaches the gospel to all the world and every creature. It is estimated that Oatman wrote about 200 hymns a year through his ministry. In all, he penned a staggering 5,000 hymns of the faith. In 1897, Oatman's most influential hymn, Count Your Blessing, was published in the hymnal Songs for Young People. It became an immediate sensation. For the hymn served as a mighty reminder to think about all God has done. The impact of, his, of this hymn cannot be overstated. One day in, 18, in 1902, the famous evangelist Gibson Smith was visiting an infirmary for children, an hospital for children. He relates his experience to his autobiography. At the request of my host, I visited the infirmary. Most of the patients had been carried out on the lawn for a sun bath so they can spend some time in the sun. I spoke to a to few, I spoke few words to them. Then Mr. Penny said, before Mr. Smith goes, won't you sing something for him? Yes, sir, said the little girl. What will you sing? He said, count your blessing was the reply. Immediately, the preacher said, I was deeply touched, Gypsy said, and impressed. Here was I in full enjoyment of health and many priceless benefits of God. Yet, I had never counted my blessings. It had never occurred to me to do so. I felt sure that thousands of others have been guilty of the same omission. Many of us, alas, are never so happy as when we talking about our miseries. The sweet song fastened itself upon my heart and soul. I sing it at my meetings very frequently. Wherever one might go in the streets, or in the trains, or in the trains, someone was humming or whistling or singing, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Even in his lifetime, Oatman was privileged to see great ways in which God used his hymns. No doubt, the message of this song was a lesson Mr. Oatman had, had learned for himself. There's a great spiritual health in taking time to simply count your blessings. Rehearse all that God has done for you. 
As you do this, your eyes quickly move from yourself to the Savior. The truth is that none of us deserve any of the blessing God has, God has given us. So today is what I want you to do. Today, stop and take time to praise God for all he has done in your life. Count your blessings. I want you to go home. I want you to go home and take those lyrics and remember them. I know we don't sing many hymns, but this is what the word says. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tusted, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings and name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. This is what second reference says. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? In other words, are the cares of the world crumbling you? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your blessings. Every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the day goes by. The third sentence says this. When you look at others with their hands, with their lens and gold, think that Christ, think that Christ has promised you wealth untold. Count your blessings money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven, nor your home on high. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged. God is over all. Count your blessings. Angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end count your blessings and name them one by one so i'm done this this is it for you to do this daily check your heart check your heart daily when you wake up said to yourself am i happy am i joyful am i letting things literally ask yourself that question as you brush your teeth am i gonna let the things that's going to happen to me, determine whether or not I'm, I got joy. Check in with God periodically. Talk to God. Wherever you are, you can pray. You can talk to God. Talk to Him. Memorize 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. It's literally about 12 words. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Make that a verse that you memorize and go to that song and memorize the words. Every eye close, every head bow. Is there somebody here who said, Pastor Perry, I cannot be thankful wherever and whenever because I don't know Jesus. My heart is not anchored in Jesus. So therefore, I, I've been trying to produce my own joy, but I'm tired. I'm tired. I want Jesus to be the anchor of my life. 
So therefore my joy will be upon him. If that's you, raise your hand wherever you are. I see you, my sister. Is anybody else? I see you, my sister. I want Jesus. I want Jesus to be the anchor of my heart. So that way, he can be the one who is in charge of my life. When I feel seasick on the boat, I can look at the building that would not be shaken. I can look to the cross that would not waver. There's two people who, who, who said yes. Amen. Praise God. Now, the second part. I've, I've, I am saved. I, I, I'm a Christian. But I have not been able to be thankful. Because I cannot rejoice always. I didn't know how. I haven't been able to pray continually. I haven't been able to be grateful in all things. Not for all things, but in all things. Maybe some of us will have, will have going to be bitter. If that's you, raise your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Is there anybody else that says, I want to be thankful wherever and whenever? Stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you. Those of you who raise your hand, stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you. Those of you who raise your hand. And those of you who said, I need Jesus to anchor my life. Brother Dave and Clive is going to be right here at the piano. I want you to come forward after, we, after, the, after the song so they can give you some information on what that means for Jesus to anchor your life. Let me pray for you. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for these, your servants, for the hope. That is that they have in you for the fact that they choose to be thankful wherever and whenever. And Lord, they know that this thankfulness is not their works, but it's you. Because the joy that is always cannot be produced by us, but produced by you. May your spirit, may your word dwell in them so that they can always be joyful, not because of the circumstance, but in spite of the circumstance. Father, I pray for a continual communication with you in their lives, Father. And Lord, may they, may they now be thankful in all circumstances. knowing this is your will for them in Christ Jesus. Father, seal their decisions. May they forever be anchored in you. It's in the matters of Jesus we pray. And Jesus say, Amen.